Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Scientific Coaching Podcast. I'm your host, Lucas Berry. Joining me from Morgantown, West Virginia, is Darren Shrewsbury Jr. Darren, how are you this evening? Not too bad. Not too many complaints. All right. Well, let's... Uh, in perhaps the most logical place to start, given the nature of the program, and that is the, that is the potential for college football to be delayed because of the coronavirus. For those who are unaware, the Ivy League is going to take a vote tomorrow, and they are we're recording this on Tuesday. The Ivy League is going to take a vote on Wednesday to basically decide whether to move all fall sports to the spring, including football. Uh, so here's my question for you. If that vote goes down, what will you think of it if they, in fact, pass it? Well, I'm generally an impatient person. I'll I fully uh, I I sit here every year at the end of at the end of football season and go okay well you know now I have to wait until August September for sports to start and that already you know makes me impatient I'm just sitting there going all right when's 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 football starting again can't wait to see you know who you know, Patriots have drafted or you know the new players the Mountaineers have signed and I want to I want to see them go out there and do things and especially this season where with the Mountaineers. For example, where we want to see what Neil Brown's second season will be, how that'll turn around from last year. Um, now we have pretty much entirely new personnel at New England. How's that going to turn out? Um, and knowing that the, there's the potential for all of that, especially the NCAA, to be pushed back even another three, four months or longer, probably. Um, so I've got my timelines. Yeah, either way, at least three months. Um, throws me off uh i'm gonna be sitting there going what do i do with my time now what do i doing a, a season that i'm normally spending it watching football uh, it's gonna be very weird uh should that happen you could take up a fall hobby like basketball even you could do that uh, <sighs> yeah but true it, that's why you also like other sports this is why i'm covered this is why i'm covered i'm an nhl guy I'm a, I'm a Premier League guy. I am a – I'm not so much an NBA guy, but I could learn to be an NBA guy if, my, if I had to. Uh, this is why I'm covered with that. You, sir, are screwed. Just a bit, yeah. <laughs> but, but I think you would agree that it's probably going to be the right decision if, in fact, it is, it is made. Yes. Yeah, I, I mean, I would agree that it's, it's probably definitely the right decision, uh, but it's going to make me just a little bit more anxious just waiting for that to – Back. Now, no, I have I have a theory, and and I'm no, I don't claim to be connected to the world of college football like other people do because I'm not. But I have watched this sport long enough, and I have studied the way things work long enough to understand a few things. Number one, this sport is not about amateurism; it's about money. And the my my gut feeling is that the FCS group the group of five on down, the group of five. FCS Division Two and Division Three schools will not play in the fall; they will play in the spring. But the Power Five, because there is so much money tied to a TV contract with them, will find a way to put themselves in uh, our, on our TV screens in the fall. That's my gut feeling, which means on the on the on the uh, service is not going to be that big a deal because you're going to have basically the same thing you normally would. How many times do we see an FCS game on TV in the fall? Not very many times unless it's a really, really big FCS game. Uh, 
mm-hmm. as the North Dakota State of James Madison's playing. And you'll see those FCS games against, like, Eastern Kentucky is West Virginia's FCS opponent this season. Forget that game. That game won't happen, if you're asking me. Mm-hmm. It won't look different, but it will be different in that in come springtime, we're going to see uh, the MAC Conference USA Marshall, I don't think will play a season in the fall. Uh, uh, the Ivy League, obviously, being the one that will have this vote, will be in the, in the spring. And I think that could be good because I think that will give more exposure and it will actually help bring the floor up to where the Power 5 ceiling actually is in college football. And I think that could be, do well for everyone. This could, keyword could, be what changes the sport for the better, you can argue, for the rest of the time we are ever playing college football. Yeah, I think there's a very good point. I think that that would be that would be definitely good for those uh, those smaller schools uh, for that exposure. And one thing that I had actually pretty much just thought about is depending on the exact start and end of that um, extra season, so to speak, of of sports, a delayed season, uh, should that stick through? You know, should that remain a permanent thing? Um, is or even just for this year, um, should it happen? Is how how it could affect potentially the draft stock of some of these FCS players that might be going to the NFL? Um, it it might not do so much, uh, but it could for those particular uh, prospects uh, that this this final season of theirs might make or break their stock. Um, or you know, decide whether or not they're they're drafted at all. Uh, if they need these stats for that semester or for this season to really show mm-hmm. why they should be in the NFL, uh, I, I got to wonder how it might affect them. Um, it might not be I as can, big of an issue as I'm thinking, but I can imagine I can, that I can, would be an issue. I can make a very positive case for that. Here's my point. Excuse me. Uh, what happens in the spring with terms of at, prospects showing themselves off? Pro days, right? Mm-hmm. If I'm a, if I'm an FCS or Division two, like Kyle Duggar, it's a Division two school from Lenore Ryan. Yep. If Kyle Duggar is playing in the spring, does exposure? Does he get more people who are going? Let's say you've got um, West Virginia Spring Day in uh, in mid April. And let's say there's a kid at Fairmont State who's playing really well, who is looking like, a t- like an NFL prospect. Fairmont State's playing Concord at Fairmont on that Saturday. Let's say WVU spring day is on a Friday or a, a pro day. Mm-hmm. You want to go to that game on Saturday to stick around in Morgantown and Fairmont that night? Yeah. I think that could actually help because it's more exposure. Now, granted, the exposure that we talk about in terms of People knowing their names is not important. It doesn't matter if you and I know their name. What matters is if scouts and coaches know their yep. name. And they're going to do their job regardless. But I think ha- for some, having that recency bias could help. Whether it's a good decision or not, we can debate that when the time comes. Mm-hmm. But I think in terms of being able to show yourself in a game that won't be hidden by a Power 5 game, that could benefit a lot of people. Yeah, I, I can't disagree with that at all. Yeah, I definitely could see how that could also be a positive um, for those students. 
This is why he and I work. He's negative. I'm. <laughs> so let's move on to something I know. I brought it up before we started recording, but I know you're going to agree with them. The Surgeon General, who I forget his name, and I apologize to him Im- immensely for forgetting his name, says if you want college football in the fall, you wear a mask. What does that say about the fact that we have to bring in a sport where we basically threaten to not play it in order to get people to wear a mask? Instead of, oh, I don't want this person like me, who has a pre-existing heart condition, to get it and possibly die. What does it say about that? Uh, yeah. And I don't want to get into this big – I don't want to get into this big every American is, is dumber than a sack <laughs> of potatoes. But, you know, let's, yeah. let's be honest here. Let's, let's, not, let's not hide ourselves. It, that, that there is something yeah, to be it, said it about kinda, it. It really does kind of speak to the overall just selfishness, right? It's more of a I want football to happen because I, it makes me happy. Instead of a, I care about the person next to me getting sick and possibly dying or having long-term health effects, as we're starting to see uh, from this. So as sad as it is to sit there and have to play to the selfishness of people, and I'm not saying all people are selfish. Obviously, that's not the case. But the general selfishness of people, uh, it's, it's a little bit depressing. But it also, if it's a thing you can target to to get people to do this so we can get out of this pandemic and back to a semi-normal life, um, then, then so be it. I, if, if, if I were a person that sports was the only reason why I did things, I guess. Um, and someone told me if you want sports back, wear a mask and I wasn't already wearing one, I'd probably be convinced because I want to watch sports. Um, and I would hope that others are at least because, you're not going to get sports if if things keep happening. Um, I mean, just look at the South, where a lot of a lot of schools are. They're getting demolished right now with cases. They're, and if you want to see any of those schools play, USF, you know, uh, Oklahoma, Oklahoma, Miami, Texas, Texas Tech. Even arguably, you know, Virginia Tech is, is Virginia is still seeing a slight uptick in cases, um, things like that. If you want to see any of those schools play, you're you're gonna want to put a mask on and get this over with, because we've got a is, month and a half, probably what ish until the, the first week of of games would be. We got about six weeks. Um, the way it's looking. Based on the way the beginning of the pandemic started in America, we're not. You guys aren't getting over that in six weeks. It's not going to happen down there, unless something right now stop uh, starts. And that's putting a mask on, staying home, and staying away from other people that aren't already, you know, at home with you. But it seems like that's too hard of a concept to understand for for a lot of people for whatever reason. For whatever reason, and we can debate about this why all all the time. When you mentioned all those schools, Clemson is probably the biggest one of all, right? That has a lot of cases going through it, and not necessarily in terms of national scale, because you've got you know Texas and Oklahoma, mm-hmm. but Clemson is the one program that everyone will point to and say, okay, something's going on here. Clemson plays at Georgia Tech on Thursday, September third. 
if I were a betting man, I don't know that I would bet for that game to actually happen on that schedule. I, I wouldn't bet on Neo because because I don't trust Georgia. I don't trust Clemson going across into Georgia and not getting mm-hmm. people sick. Or worse yet, getting people getting st- getting st- getting it from people at Georgia Tech and then going back home. Yep. I don't trust that. And here's the thing: if you're a West Virginia fan, where the school that traveled the most for conference games outside of Hawaii. You don't want them going to Oklahoma and having to bring that back here. That's not what mm-hmm. you want. No, not at all. I mean, you don't want that at no, all. No, especially because you know Texas and Texas Tech are in the conference, and they're one of the hardest hit states right now. So, uh, think about this: the the first game for West Virginia is Florida State in Atlanta. That should have alarm bells going off in your head right now. Exactly. And and if you're and if you as a fan, and this again, it kind of speaks to the selfishness, and I, I hate to bring that up again, but if you as a fan are sitting here and are willing to let these students who make zero money off of this, other than the the potential scholarships that some of them have, you know, to get paid for school, um, and probably get no other comp, you know, compensation, you know, no insurance, anything like that, and you're willing to basically force them to go down into these areas and put themselves at risk at catching a, a, a virus that they're not immune to just so you can watch them beat each other up over a football. That's ridiculous. Now you could, you could argue, yeah, but you're watching them beat each other up over a football to begin with. Sure. That's a slightly different aspect here, but you're putting, we can go into that yeah. another day. The the but the notion that something that they can prevent, this is something we could all prevent here. Catching a virus that might very well end their chances of having a career in, in the sport you so love watching them play in. Um let's let's think about that. On top of the fact that sure, we want to watch football. But let's think about the health of those players as well, which is what we always try to do, or at least we seem uh, the NCAA and the NFL seem to try to do in terms of uh, increasing their safety. Let's add protect them from catching a potentially deadly virus to that as well. Let's think about this too. Players are going to come back to campus, or they already are in most mm-hmm. places, and so are students. This is not like the NFL where they can put them in a hotel and say, guys, you're stuck here until we finish the yep. season. These players are going to go back to dorms, they're going to go back and live on campus. And yes, Governor Justice in the state of West Virginia yesterday mandated that uh, face masks are required to be worn in all buildings, except for some restrictions that I'm not, uh, that I'm not going to go into mm-hmm. right now. But it's going to be happening at West Virginia. Let's just we'll use WVU as the main, as the main uh, place here because that's what we talk about. If you're someone who loves football but has a student going to West Virginia University or any other university across the country, and you want them to be in the same room, potentially, or the same hall, the same dorm, as these athletes who went to, to, went to states that are heavy hit by this virus, to other colleges and universities that have people coming in from all over the area and all over the country to, to play a game just so you can watch it on TV. And then what happens if your son or daughter gets it? And all of a sudden, it, it hits home. This is what people fail to, to think about. It's not just athletes. It's potentially mm-hmm. everyone. 
Example, my brother goes to West Virginia. He'll be going back in the fall. If he is on the same room in the same hall as a, as a football player and they have a season, he could get it. He could bring it back to me. And all of a sudden, hey, you know, I, I'm in a very bad spot. It's not likely because WVU is limiting the amount of times they can actually see uh, your extended your family. They're going to try to keep you isolated as much as they possibly can. But, I mean, come on. It's a possibility that exists, mm-hmm. and we have to recognize yep. that. And it's once we realize that it's not just about football, and it never was just about football, we're going to make a big stride here. I agree. At least we should. And speaking of not just about football, there's another program at WVU that had, had an impact. The men's basketball program. Five players, one staff member have, have contracted the COVID-19 virus. Uh, again, it's not just football. It's not just sports, sports that are right, uh, right in front of us. It's basketball season doesn't start until mid-November. And look, what we're talking about, they push back workouts, okay? And this is the same sport that had its tournament canceled. The most iconic NCAA championship ever was canceled. Think about that. Even if you're not a sports person, you've heard of you've someone. Think about it, if you're listening to this podcast and you're a sports person. Think about the office or the or when you were in. I used to do it when I was in high school. The bracket challenges. Even people who don't know anything about football, about basketball, will do a bracket challenge. Why? Because they can, and it's available for mm-hmm. everyone. They canceled that. If that doesn't tell you something is going on, that sh- it should. Okay. So you're looking at the same program, the same sport that has a, has a has a season in November. Has got cases now. That's a problem. That yep, it is. Absolutely. You just stop, stop. What we need to and look, college football should be our in, in terms of the athletics, and there are things that are more important than athletics, and there always will be. But in terms of athletics. College football should be our most pressing concern because it is the season that is the most upcoming. And no disrespect to soccer or volleyball or anything else like that. Those are all perfectly fine sports. I enjoy watching both. But it's not – they're not going to make any university money. They're just not. Football is what makes you money. Or if you're not a football school, basketball makes you money. So in terms of the academic – in terms of the athletics and the economic value of this, football is our main concern. But it is still affecting everyone else. And it's only a matter of time before it creeps into every athletic program in the university. Mm-hmm. Do we really want to buy ourselves more time and get to the bottom of this? Or do we want to just throw these kids out into the fire and say, all right, have fun. Go win a game. I don't know how you can do that. I really don't. And I don't get – here's the thing. Excuse me. Next week starts Conference Media Days. I'm doing a whole – uh, to do on my college football blog about ranking the coaches in every Power Five conference. Do you know how much I'm going to talk about actual games? I'm tired of writing about uh, uh, what happens at the playoff with eight teams. I'm tired of just ranking coaches. I want to talk about actual games, but I'm not about to say that comes is more important than a person's life because it's not. Okay, just stop. Stop with that belief that oh my enjoyment is more important than your life because it isn't. And it never will be. Yep. Yeah, you about, you pretty much said it all there. Exactly. Rant over. I told you I was going to rant today. I told you. 
we have something else to talk about. We got to actually, we're already halfway through our rundown, which is really kind of surprising. But as fast as we're going now, we're going to be a while for the next, the last few, I, I assure you. Uh, Cam Newton, we talked about his sign for the Patriots last week. Uh, this might be the biggest bargain Bill Belichick has ever got in terms of the, uh, the literal pennies on the dollar that uh, Cam Newton – actually, I should say that. I should say single penny on the dollar <laughs> that Bill Belichick got mm-hmm. Cam Newton for. It's an incentive-laden contract. you have the details of that yep, contract? Yep, right in front of me. All right. Take the all floor, right. sir. So, we all aware Cam Newton's a patriot. Um, a few days ago, the contract details – became apparent um the contract's a one-year deal was up to seven and a half million dollars that's already you know nothing too crazy for especially a one-year deal it's like okay you know that's that's not a bad, lot of uh, that's not an extreme amount of money but the guy's not getting robbed um but the base contract is 1.05 million dollars the minimum amount of minimum salary for a player with nine years experience only five hundred and fifty thousand dollars of that money is guaranteed i i worded this in the text when this information came in i said bill belichick stole this man he pretty much he literally got him for a penny on a dollar there it's the other five and some change million dollars are available incentives. Um, let's see, it's what seven hundred thousand dollars per uh, in per game roster bonuses, um, and then yeah, up to seven hundred dollars for that, and then the additional five point seven five million in whatever other cin- incentives are there. Um, he, he, for the sake of, of of NFL players, he's a minimum wage guy. For this, in comparison, uh, other than you know, practice squad players, probably. Uh, but the, the most I want to say this is kind of surprising, um, but maybe not. Uh, Newton responds to this, uh, to everyone you know, seeing this, and, and Newton says that that the contract or the fact that he's with pa- the Patriots isn't about money, it's about respect for the organization. Um, and if that's true. I, I respect that hundred percent. You know, I, I'll never, I'll never tell a person that they shouldn't worry about the money in their career at all. Uh, but there are certain players that we know focus solely on the money and don't really give a shit about the game. And you, you've, we've seen that a lot more over the last few years. Um, so to, to see him say that, it, it makes me go, okay, that that's cool. I was, I respect that. But who, you know, who knows if it's just he's saying it to say it. We don't. I don't know. Um, I'd like to hope that he's he truly, you know, doesn't care about the money and just wants to play for a great organization. Um, but who knows? I'm also a pessimist, so he could just be saying it. <laughs> Thing is, it's Cam Newton. To interpret him would be like you have to have. There's probably a section of the Rosetta Stone we haven't found yet that contains Cam Newton's language. <laughs> so. And again, I don't mean that disrespectful, but I mean, let's be honest. The things he says, you go, okay, Cam, what exactly are you yeah. getting at here? And, 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 and look, 
it's going to be hard to figure out whether he means it or not, at least initially, because you can go through the motions of an NFL training camp and that doesn't prove anything, whether you love the franchise yeah. or not, or have respect for the mm-hmm. franchise. What proves that is, well, here's the first thing I think of is if there's a deal offered to him for less money next year, does he take it or does he go chase the money for a big at a bigger contract and then a perceivably worse team? Let's say that let's say they go twelve and four, mm-hmm. make the AFC playoffs, win the division again, th- number two seed or number three seed at worst, and they go into the playoffs. And I don't know what they're gonna happen in the playoffs. Let's just say they make the playoffs, they get to the AFC Championship game and lose to Kansas City, which is not great. But if you told me that before the year when Brady left, I would told you you were absolutely mm-hmm. crazy. So. Let's say that happens, and he gets a below ten. A, he gets a deal that is below what his market value should be. If he respects the organization and respects Bill Belichick and Josh McDaniels, he comes back. If it's all about the money, he goes elsewhere. That's when we're going to find out about it because everything else he does in the middle of the season won't tell me anything. I might have a feeling, but I won't know for sure until next year. Yeah, exactly. It's it's gonna be a, a waiting game because this is a one year contract. Unless they ex- decide to extend him over the course of the season, we we won't really know until the end of next season shows up and we see what he does. They they won't. They're not going to give him an extension mid season because that extension will probably take effect middle of the season. And they're not going to do it. They don't have the money yeah. to. They don't have the money. So it's like okay, fine. Even when Max Burkhead uh, restructured his contract to free up a million dollars, that doesn't do you a whole lot with Cam Newton. That'll get you, that'll get you one crazy hat. <laughs> yeah, it will. How how much how soon will he show up in a tri corner hat? Uh, honestly, when will he show up in that? Honestly, knowing knowing it. his 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 um style and you know what what we've seen him dress dress in. I wouldn't be surprised at the first thing we see when he when they they're able to do these you know, press conference type things. He walks in and something like that. I I I would I would laugh, of course. It'd be funny as hell. Um, but I I'd expect it really. I would too. If anyone in the Boston area owns a costume shop and you see a big man, looks like he could be an NFL quarterback, walk through the door, please tell him your uh, actual Patriot from Revolutionary War costume, not your fake Patriots uniform you have in the back. <laughs> please tell him your Patriot Revolutionary War uniform. <laughs> please. <laughs> so we can't talk about Cam Newton getting ripped off the shelf at the, at the uh, crazy almost the season mm-hmm. sale. Uh, without talking about Mahomes breaking the NFL yeah. yesterday. Oh, a side note. Let's talk about side that. Note on Cam Newton. I I also saw after those that deal broke or the, the contract broke that apparently only Cleveland was the other team to actually talk to Newton. So it was basically New England and Cleveland that had interested him. Um, so I found that interesting. But all right, now to Cam. Uh, now to Pat Mahomes. <laughs> The man, man wins at life. He he wins at life. I mean, we already know that they they didn't. He, he and his family didn't have to worry too much about money for the most part. I would assume, given that his dad was a professional baseball player, correct? Yes, and baseball players have the most money of any of any sport going around. That union is so strong; they get the most money, even exactly. in his era. And so now you've got 
one of the biggest contracts I've personally ever seen, anyone else has really probably ever seen, but definitely me. And, and it's in the NFL. This is something that I, I saw the numbers. I saw the amount of time that this contract was for, and I truly couldn't believe it for, for someone, for anyone in the NFL. I mean, you have a hard time. The contract length is 10 years. You have a hard time. What The average, I think, is surely less than 10 years um, across the league. But I see 10 years, and then I see a hefty price tag of half a billion dollars for one man. In the NFL, especially, because we've seen a few of those half a billion dollar deals over the last couple of years in the MLB. And the same, in fact, what, within two weeks of each other? Yeah. Um, Andy Machado mm-hmm. and Bryce Harper. And there was $300 million. Oh. He got picked $200 million more than Bryce Harper. Jeez. Bryce Harper signed a 30, $330 million contract for like 11 years or 13 years, however long. Home was managed to get an NFL deal, an MLB deal in the NFL. In the NFL, and by the way, the average NFL career is three point three years. Good lord! So he's got a he's got a deal that's three times as long as the average NFL player's career. And yes. this man, he's twenty three, twenty four. He's younger than both of us for sure. Yeah, I, I'm twenty three. He's probably. Let's find out. Let's see. Patrick Mahomes is, if my computer will load up, he is, he was born September 17, 1995. So he is 24. He was 25 in September. So that, you've got this guy. It's, 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 it's an insane amount of money. Now, I'm not going to sit here and say that Pat Mahomes isn't, obviously, he's, he's been phenomenal. And I'm not going to say he doesn't deserve this money. It's just mind blowing how much they were actually willing to give him. Yeah. Okay. So, do you know what the average NFL salary is for quarterbacks as of last year? I do year? not. Five point seven million dollars. That's a lot of money. He's getting paid about fifty million dollars thereabouts per year, forty nine million or so per year. He's getting paid ten times yeah. the average salary at his at his position. It's crazy. Now, how much? What Think I don't remember that. is how much of that deal was was guaranteed and how much was was. I know a large majority uh, of it was guaranteed. Gar- yeah, which is even more uh, insane. Let's find out. Yeah, let's let's find out. My internet is kind of being slow here, so let's see here. You might have better luck than me. Because I'm stuck in the I'm stuck in the spinning ball of death. Um, okay, let's see. Let's here's one from the USA Today. Uh, make sure this is uh, recent. Yep, eight hours ago. I'd say that's recent. Um, That'll work. <laughs> signed yeah. a ten-year contract along with contract incentives as well as up to five a total of five hundred three. The contract includes just over sixty-three million in guaranteed at the point of signing. And 141 million is guaranteed should he get injured. Um, so think about it. he got 63 million just for putting pen to paper. Yep. When he signed that contract, he got 63 million in guaranteed money. And oh, starting in 2022, it says um, he has if he wins the AFC Championship game and 
uh, I don't know if this is an and or a uh, like he has to do both or if this is two different scenarios in which he can earn two and a half million dollars. Um, but it says by winning the um, AFC championship game and owning the league MVP award. So either he does both or he can do both of those separately and get $2.5 million together. Uh, I would think it would be separately because I don't know that the only other, the only thing is if you're, if you put them together, you save yourself that 2.5 million, but you also have to think about even with the, even with with the pandemic and I apologize for the inability to talk today. Uh, if, if you take it out with the pandemic, the NFL is still going to make a lot of money. So do they just think they're going to, the salary cap is going to keep going up and they're going to be able to afford that two and a half million? That's yeah. the thing. You've got to have that money somewhere. You can't just, well, I guess you could go into debt for one player, but he's not worth that. No player is worth going into mm-hmm. debt for. So do, and do you really want that? But I would think it would be an, an either or, or separately. I don't think you would be tied, won't be tied to the other. I wouldn't think yeah, that, so. Yeah, that's how I think about it too. I would, I would think about it as, as having two separate incentives um, because I mean, getting, winning the AFC championship game is tough enough. Owning a league MVP on top of that, that's, I mean, that just doesn't happen very often. That doesn't happen that often. Exactly. So plus let's, let's take a look at who's the main uh, threat to him in terms of doing both in the next several years, Lamar Jackson in Baltimore. Mm-hmm. So if, if they get to Baltimore and they have championship game and they lose, and he wins the MVP, well, that's fine. But Lamar Jackson could have an MVP caliber year every year for the rest of his career. And the and Ravens could go to like six Super Bowls in 12 years. Not impossible. A bit unlikely, sure, but not impossible. Mm-hmm. That's a really good organization in Baltimore. They do things right. They run a very tight ship, so did the Chiefs. That's, they're they're going to be good for a while. This is not going to go away. D- 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 no. And... You know, we we both agree the Bills are doing something good. The Patriots, so long as Belichick is there, will be in the mix. So and Miami, if they might finally get their act together. The I I, I think the Texans are a, are a decent organization. Tennessee with Vrabel, mm-hmm. Colts in Indianapolis with uh, Philip Rivers, and then they drafted a backup. I forgot who they drafted though. So just think about that. There are so many different things standing in your way. And then the whole rest of the league, the NFC, with, oh, I don't know, Russell Wilson, Jimmy Garoppolo, Jared Goff, Kyler Murray, Dak Prescott, uh, Carson Wentz, just quarterbacks. From, I think half the NFC's quarterbacks. Yep. There's a lot of things standing in your way. I think it's going to be – I would think it would be an mm-hmm. either-or. So I don't think it would be tied together. But that's not – that's way beyond what I'm, – I'm, I'm dragging you back. Yeah. Continue. Um, but that's – I mean, that, I just saw that. And I was like, oh, okay. So it doesn't, uh, I'm not going to try to even understand these two, these two figures that they have in this thing. Uh, I guess it just kind of shows down um, how much money he could have at the end of, of each um, season or the beginning of each season, I guess, based in guarantees. I guess there's an X amount guaranteed each season or something. Um, but it, it actually has a breakdown, but I'm not going to actually sit here and say I understand what it even means. Because uh, these things are very well. You can, and you can show that to me later, and we'll uh, and I'll try and I'll try to use my limited legalese in NFL, and I will try to interpret it. Uh, but you know what's hmm. crazy? Remember Bobby Bonilla? I told you about last week. What is it? Gets that contract from the Mets every every oh, year. Oh yes, yes. When this deal is done, the Mets will still be paying him for four more years. That's insane. Uh huh. Think about really that. Is. 
can't. Mahomes will be on his second contract, which will be even more ginormous than this, uh, considering where the NFL salary cap is supposed to keep going. Plus, they'll have 18 games by then, probably, which means that much more money coming yeah. in. So, yeah, Mahomes is going to be a very rich man. That Any problems in the Mahomes family financially just went away forever. Exactly. I mean, they, that, that contract, though, is literally was about the price, about the net wealth of, of Tom Brady and, and, and Giselle together. It's just, it's yes. just about there. I, I, I think it's worth more than, than them. I think, it just, I think the Brady family is only worth $400 million. I think that's $100 million more than the Brady family. That, that could be true. I can't think about the numbers. That. Think, think about that. I'm going to look it up if my, if my internet doesn't... Uh, last I recall, I know Brady was worth 180, I think. And then he, and his, and Giselle was close to double. But those, those could very easily change too, of course. You know, net worth's change. Okay, so they're worth $540 million total. So they're a little bit more than the homeless. But the fact that he's even within $30 million or, or $40 million close to them, what does that tell you? It's insane. For a 30-year quarterback. Exactly. Or a 40-year I mean, quarterback. They re- they, they, they're literally showing the to- looking at Mahomes and saying, we've got the absolute faith in you. And, and great. That, that's something you want to have. You want to have a quarterback that you can sit there and say, we have so much faith in you, we want to give you this much money. Um, whether it's smart to sit there and give them that much money, we could debate that all day. But – you you want that's that's what you want in a quarterback or a player is someone you can sit there and say well we're willing to give you this much money because we believe in you that much, so I mean that's that's a great thing to have. Uh, I I I would rather have someone who I'm willing to give that money to than as opposed to trying to go go draft another quarterback mm-hmm. every year. It's like I'm sorry I don't want to go drafting everyone every year. I'm looking right at you Miami. Uh, <laughs> uh, I would rather do that than. Uh, then have to go do that every year, even if I'm even if I'm, even if I'm stuck paying contracts that aren't on my team anymore, I'm fine with that. Yep. Just saying. We've concluded that Mahomes is is okay. Here's the thing. Here's here's the question. That's goat money. Is Mahomes in a position where he could end up being the greatest quarterback of all time? Could he usurp Tom Brady? I. I mean, anything's possible. I'm not going to sit here and say that's impossible. Um, I mean, I'm sure people were sitting here back when Joe Montana finished his career, and people were probably sitting here saying the exact same thing. Is there anyone who can do what Joe Montana did, and is there anyone who can beat him? I'm sure that they were sitting there doing the exact same thing. So I, I, I would just answer it with, sure. It's very, it's very well possible. I mean, if he continues with the success we've already seen him have in the two seasons he's had, making A&A, uh, winning an MVP his first year as a starter, making an AFC title game his first year as a starter, and then going on and winning a Super Bowl uh, and an MVP. Wait, he won the MVP in the Super Bowl too, right? I'm not going crazy. I'm missing that. Um, I think – No. Uh, didn't Lamar Jackson win that? Oh no, no, the, the Super Bowl MVP. That's why. That's why. Yeah, uh, Lamar okay, Jackson won the season yeah. MVP. Okay. Yeah. I mistook you. I mistook you. Yeah. So, I mistook you. You've got you, a guy right. yeah. who's essentially done what any player wants to do in their entire career, and he's done it in two seasons as a starter. 
I'm, I'm not going to sit there and say that, that that says he can't do it. He very well could, especially if that organization keeps weapons around him. And hell, he might even be able to do it without weapons, for all we know, uh, because he can make plays. Okay, here's the, okay. Here's the big here's the big question though. If you gave him the Patriots offense, including offensive line and every skill player, so you just traded quarterbacks, and you took the Patriots personnel and gave them to Andy Reid and the Chiefs and Mahomes, and you gave the Chiefs personnel to the Patriots and Bill Belichick, which would you with uh with, no? We'll make this even more. We'll make this even more interesting with Jarrett Stidham as quarterback instead of Cam Newton. Which team do you like more? On a neutral yeah. field. Now that's an extremely tough one. I mean, we know what mm-hmm. Andy Weed's done. I mean, uh, and then obviously getting to the, and winning the Super Bowl last year, which was his first one. Um, but we know what he has done, despite not having all the wings that Bill Belichick done. He can make something out of nothing as well. And you know, he regularly came into Gillette, or at least let's see how many how many times is that. Either way point is he has come to Gillette and beat the snot out of the Patriots. So that opening night a few years ago comes to mind. So that's, I mean, it's an extremely tough one to choose really. I mean, you naturally you want to sit here and say Bill Belichick because we know what he's done. But it really is, it really is tough. Exactly. I would be, it would be a coin toss. I think because the Patriots would have more weapons, they would use them better. I love the thought of Josh McDaniels having all that mm-hmm. weaponry. But I also recognize how good Mahomes is and how much he can extend plays and give people the chance to get mm-hmm. open, which the Patriots didn't really have. No offense to Brady, but he's not mobile. He didn't have that opportunity. Mahomes yeah. does. Mahomes can make something out of nothing. Brady, for all that he was and all that Stidham, Stidham's more mobile than Brady. But there's not been a history of that in New England. That was part of mm-hmm. the problem. So that's my opinion of that. Is I think I would take the Patriots would be it would be in a very it would be in a very close game because I don't trust them to stop Mahomes for a full sixty minutes. Yeah, I mean, yep, yeah, those are good points. Let's move on to the WV Illustrated All Mountaineer Team was revealed last night. I'm going to run down the offense. I'm going to run down the defense. I'll run down the coach and special teams. We're going to do offense first. We'll talk about it. Then we're going to do defense first. We'll talk about it, Then we'll do coaching. So this will be split into three subsections, if you will. Make mm-hmm. sense? I think it would be, be the most streamlined way to do it, the most, the most smart way to do it. At quarterback from Daphne, Alabama, number five in your program, number one in your heart, Patrick White. At running back, number 10, Steve Slayton. At fullback, number 35, Owen Schmidt. At wide receiver, number one, Tavon Austin. At wide receiver, Stedman Bailey. I forgot his number. Did he number three? Uh, I think so. We'll go with that. Offensive flex, number seven, Noel Devine. At num- on offensive line, Mike Compton. Brian Joswack, Joswiak, I'm going to, I don't know his name. He was before my time. I'm just going to guess. John Stroia, Colton McKivitz, and Dan Moses. That's the offensive line. That's the offense. So again, that's Pat White, Steve Slayton, Owen Schmidt, 
Tavon Austin, Stedman Bay, Lenore Devine, Mike Compton, Brian Joswiak, John Stroya, Golden McKivitz, and Dan Moses. That is one hell of an offense. Absolutely. And it's 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 awesome that Colton McKivitz, who just recently graduated, is on is on this list. As in yeah. last year. Congratulations to everyone. I I I thought Steve Slayton would win that offensive the running back competition, and he did. But I'm glad Noel Devine got in there as the offensive mm-hmm. flex because that that gives you a lot to work with in, in this theoretical game we're going to be playing against someone's <laughs> other all whatever yeah. team. That offensive line is mostly dominated by 80s guys. Mike Compton played from 89 to 92. Brian Joswiak played from 82 to 85. John Stroyer played from 85 to 88. So you've got a lot of those Neyland teams in there that were really good at, at just being physical and, and didn't really care what anyone mm-hmm. thought of it. And then you have – this is what shocked me as well. Dan Moses is the only one from the Rich Rodriguez-era offensive line to make it. Because that team, remember how Rich Rod ran his offense. They didn't spread to pass. They spread to mm-hmm. run. So you have to have a good run-blocking team to do that. You've got to have – and that starts with what? The offensive yep. line. So I, I'm kind of surprised we didn't see more of the Rich Rod-era uh, offensive linemen up for vote and certainly made it into, this, into the final mm-hmm. team. That's my takeaway. Defense, defensive line, Sam Huff, Bruce Irvin, Conte, Canute Curtis, linebacker, Daryl Talley, Steve Dunlap, Grant Wiley, defensive flex, David Long, cornerback, Steve Newberry, Mike Logan, safety, Bo Orlando, Carl Joseph. A lot of those are before our time, but the the ones we know, Oh boy, David Long knew how to hit people, and well, so did Cole Joseph. <laughs> he knew how to smash people. <laughs> I mean, we see a few highlights of him just just putting people to the ground in the NFL too. He is not lost yeah. that fire at all. Do you remember? It's uh, kind of an obscure game. I think it was like 2010 against Cincinnati in Morgantown, but there was a screen out to the out to the, out to the outside. And I don't remember who it was. He came by and basically ended that Cincinnati dude's life. He came by and smacked him real big. He, it wasn't helmet helmet or anything, but it was like, it was one of those things where you sit up in your chair and you go, yeah. holy hell. Yeah, that was, I think that was circulating on, on their Facebook page a couple weeks ago. And I, and I, right. I saw that and I was like, yep, that, uh, that, that, that still hurts me. Yeah, it still hurts me. <laughs> <laughs> You're going there. Okay, like they, maybe I should not. Uh, okay, every yeah. now and then, there's those hits that you physically feel pain watching that hit, and and Carl hey. Joseph is definitely one of them responsible for many of those occurrences. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> Kicker punter from Plum, Pennsylvania, the goat, Pat McAfee. If, if you, it was there anyone else? If you didn't really? vote for him, I question your loyalty as a Mountaineer. I, I, that that's it. That's all I got to say about that. Yeah, really. It's like okay, even if you were one of those guys, like oh, I remember back in the day. No, 
Pat McAfee is the greatest kicker punter that's ever come through this program, and probably will be, forever. I it would take something. It would take someone really good to to to, uh, to get him off that pedestal. Absolutely. I mean, and he's still the program hey, belt Cal- leading scorer. Oh. Yes. It, I'll read you this exact quote from their website. The program's all-time leading scorer and arguably the most entertaining route near in program history. Yep. Yeah, that's true, Absolutely. too. The only man who can get away with saying I kick balls for a yeah. living. And he, he, he wasn't wrong, but no one else said it like that. <laughs> only Pat. <sighs> also, the head coach, Don Nealon. And it says this is, was the most lopsided poll. Nealon won with 74% of the votes. He had 1,200 more, 1200 more votes than second-place finisher Rich Rodriguez. It, that doesn't tell you how popular Nealon is still with people who – here's the thing. A lot of younger fans, and this is the case with every fan base, and not, it's not WVU unique, but younger fans only see what's on their screen now. They don't – it takes someone to really get into a program and to really become – not necessarily obsessed, but interested in the history of a program to really understand the past and where you came from. If Don Nealon doesn't do what he does at West Virginia, we're not having this conversation. We're just not. Because Don Nealon was the one that saved that program from oblivion. Once Bobby Bowden left, Francis Daddy had 17 wins. He went 17 and 27. His biggest achievement was going 5 and 6 in two of his three years in Morgantown. That's not good by any measure. Mm-hmm. That's not saying he was a bad coach, but it's not a good record. We don't know what would have happened had that program not had Nealon coming in. But think about what Nealon also had. He's, he's the one that had the Flying WV come into the, the idea for that come into his mind. He said, we can't play with this logo of WVU and a football on the state outline. You just can't do it. He came into a whole new stadium and moved into the current Mountaineer Field, away from the old Mountaineer Field. He had a new stadium. He had, he had one of the most recognizable logos in school, in, actually in ever. Really, that if you show that name, if you show the Flying WV to anyone who knows anything about, and well, anything, there's so many things that university does, they will tell you what that's from because they know. Mm-hmm. So he came in with that, and that changed the program because they had something they identified with West Virginia University. That changed everything. Nealon did more for this program than I think most people, at least in younger fans, know. And I only know because I read his book. But I know it now, and I know how I know he was the only logical choice for that. We, as younger as younger fans at a time, we're not younger fans anymore. We are to some people, but for most people, we're not. Uh, uh, so we knew what Rich Rodriguez did. We saw Bill Stewart. We saw Holgerson. But there was only one. There was only one logical option here. There was no other option you could possibly vote for and still be considered sane. Exactly. And I, I will say again, I'm really surprised that Art Pappy Lewis wasn't included in that. I showed you his resume mm-hmm. the other day, and I think you agree with me. Yeah, yeah, definitely. As opposed to Signetti. And I don't mean taking anything from Signetti. He's a perfectly good coach. His son is the coach of James Madison, uh, the head coach. He himself had a very successful career at Indiana University of Pennsylvania. He, did, he had, had, a, had a heck of a career there. But in Morgantown, it wasn't mm-hmm. good. There was an old saying, 
People came to football games in Morgantown for the band, not the football team. <laughs> the band was better than the, than the team. And now we're fortunate to have a good band and arguably still a, a pretty, a good, pretty football good football team. I mean, despite exactly. last season, the... there's still a hell of a lot of talent there. Exactly. If you go to a game in Morgantown, whenever you can go to a game next, enjoy the environment because it's one of the best in college football. The band is good. The team is within reason good. It's it's an all-in-all all great experience, and I can't wait to do it again. But if I'm going to do that again, some people have to wear a mask. Okay, I'm just saying. Wear the mask. Do it. Wear the mask. Do it, please. I want to go to a football game and not risk my life. Although I could argue I'd do that anyway if I'm watching down the high street, they win. Oh, well. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, sometimes when you're up there in the oh, student well. section jumping around after a, after a touchdown, sometimes you do worry for your life. Sometimes. Well, you're the idiot who wants to stay on the very top. I, I like the viewpoint from there. Now, now granted, <laughs> there, is the, there is the downside <laughs> of that, along with the fact that a Granted, I'm not going to say this is exclusive to the top part, but there were a lot of drunk students. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's true. I was thinking more about falling off the back edge and plummeting to your death. Yeah, but okay. honestly, sometimes I'm surprised that some people haven't. I mean, some of them like to hang up there, and every – I'm not lying. Every single game, even if it's not a a packed game where people are standing up on top of that part anyway – um, because regularly, you know, the security will come up and say, oh, you can't stand on this little ledge thing. Uh, basically for that exact same reason. Uh, people will be packed up on top of that anyway, especially if it's a game like Oklahoma or Texas. In town. Um, and with, with oh, no. amount of, the amount of people that sit there and just kind of goof off and regularly chuck things off. And every single time someone up there gets thrown out of the, of the thing and the – Routine is when some person disrupts like that, everyone's just pointing at him, calling him an asshole down the entire wall back down <laughs> with the security. So, and, and this happens, this has happened at, at least 90% of the games, if not every single game that I've been at, and always right around me at least once. Okay, wait till Bama comes rolling in in a few years. Wait for that game. Yeah. <laughs> you, and I are, you and I are going to get a ticket to that game. We're going to sit next to them. We're just going to watch the student section. The whole <laughs> yeah. Just have binoculars sitting there. <laughs> All right. What are the youngins doing now? Because at that point, we'll face the old. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Man. We're going to get down the road again. Let's not do that. <laughs> <laughs> oh, boy. Oh, boy. Uh, that's our show, believe it or not. We're just under an hour. Uh, we have reached the point of the season of the, of the summer where, like I said, next week is started media days. Uh, they're going to be virtual. There's no congregating in uh, one area, which I'm glad about. It's I wouldn't expect due to the uh, Ivy League boat coming down tomorrow that they'll still have media days. But we might get an announcement from a conference commissioner because they all speak at their respective conferences media day. Uh, I would expect an announcement if there's going to be a season postponement then. So the day 12 isn't until two weeks from now. The SEC is next week. So we may not hear the day 12 uh, next week. But if we do, we'll talk about it, obviously. Mm-hmm. 
I suspect we'll have more in the Ivy League next week because it potentially could start a domino effect around the sport. But as of now, we are looking forward to next week in terms of the uh, conference uh, media days. It's, it's talking season, as Steve Spurrier always called it, and he's absolutely right. And it's the, it's the unofficial start of football season. So even if we don't get games, we're going to talk about football in a lot different way than we have before. Mm-hmm. Also, and this is, this is not next week, but it'll be two weeks from now when uh, the Big 12 does. We'll actually be recording on the second day of Big 12 media days on July 21st, unless something gets delayed between now and then in terms of on our end. Uh, I told you that I'm doing a a a count a ranking of all the coaches, head coaches in uh, each conference, Power Five. When I get to the Big 12, I want to talk about just where Neil Brown fits into the conference hierarchy of coaches because we all agree he's good. But just how good is he? And I don't even—I haven't started on the Big 12 yet. I'm working my way through everything else before I get there. I'm going to do it in order. It doesn't do me any good to go out of order. But uh, when we get there, I'm curious to see where he fits in that. So, Darren, I want you to start thinking about just how good he actually is. Okay, that's your <laughs> already. You excel at that, so I figured you'd be okay with that. Our friend Brian, not so much. <laughs> I love him, but homework does not agree with him. I, there are several words he said in regard to that that I cannot repeat on this <laughs> podcast. Well, I could. I just do not say <laughs> This is public television. I couldn't, but we're not on PBS, so oh well. That's our show, as I just got done saying. We'll be back next week with another episode. We're, just, we're under an hour for the for, – for, uh, for we're under an hour, and I'm not sure how to feel about that. I'm really not. <laughs> Oh, well, I'll get over it uh, for for well, I, anyway. I can't talk today. This is not good when you're doing a podcast. <laughs> I'm Lucas Berry signing off of this episode, scientific coaching episode number 12. Darren, take us home. Adios, everyone. Stay safe. Wear a mask if you want football to come back.